Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In this episode, I'm interviewing Amy Smith. Amy, also known as the Joy Junkie, has spent years finding her voice and is now on a mission to help others do the same. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm, I'm excited to hang out. Same here, especially I'm very excited to hang out with the joy junkie. (laughs) (laughs) So can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit about your background and how you became the joy junkie? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I guess I should say that the, the naming of my company was incredibly strategic in the sense that I thought, okay, if I do the joy junkie, I could change niches if I wanted. So I could be in relationships or I could start Joy Junkie Auto Mechanics. Or, <laughs> Very <laughs> I smart. I just do a copyright and I'm good to go. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that's actually your question. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about kind of how I arrived doing the work that I do. And for a bit of context, I grew up in an extremely conservative, uh, born-again Christian family. And there was a lot of motivation from from guilt and fear and mm. uh, ex- ex- extremely militant. Actually, when I, when I look back at it, there are a lot of kind of culty vibes <laughs> when I think, wow. yeah, which is kind of crazy. And I think it all sort of came to a head for me in 07 when my, my father passed away. And up until that point, my, my husband and I, whenever we would go visit my family, I would condition him and tell him to kind of twist and contort and lie and put forth sort of this uh, fake front, so to speak. Wow. And sort of this facade, right? So don't talk about anything liberal, no cussing, no John Stewart, <laughs> you know, no South Park, you know, don't, you know, don't do any of these things, right? Like let's, let's uh, kind of have this facade for, for the family. And Meanwhile, in the background, I had been getting involved in, you know, mid 2000s, a lot of coaching stuff. And uh, when The Secret came out, really enjoying metaphysics and law of attraction, et cetera. And so I was experiencing a different form of, of spirituality that felt very much in conflict with how I was raised. And the the situation with losing my father, needless to say, was extremely traumatic. And <laughs> I had a a background in makeup artistry. So I knew that for my father's open viewing for his service that I wanted to do the makeup, his mortuary makeup. Mm -hmm. So yes, you heard that right. I did (laughs) my father's corpse. And uh, not to be too macabre, I promised I'll bring it up. (laughs) And uh, so I, I, I felt like I had really kind of won best daughter award that day. I also spoke to the the group of hundreds of people. He was really an incredible human. And then we get back to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to let me know that she thinks that my father and her have failed as parents because myself and my two younger brothers are not quote walking with the Lord or, you know, subscribe to the religion we were raised with. Wow. And, you know, another sort of bit of context, my, both my, I'm the oldest of three, my two younger brothers, I, I had a lot of tumultuous uh, 
events during their their youth and both have done jail time, troubles the law, et cetera. And meanwhile, I'm the one, 14 years old, starting to work much, very similar to you, you know, uh-huh. entrepreneurial spirit early on. And it got married young, put myself through college, a lot of that stuff, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I just did makeup on my father's dead body. I just spoke at his service and got myself through this scenario. And then I come home to, to hear my mom say, I feel like we failed. And in essence, saying you're a failure. And the, the only thing I could kind of muster in that moment was to say, I don't think you should say that to a child. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is a teaching moment. And she, she kind of said, well, that's just how I feel. And wow. I'll tell you, that, that moment, Christina, was really when I realized that if I was going to continue to stay silent, if I was going to continue to make her happy, that it was going to be at a severe cost to me. And I don't think that always speaking up for ourselves or people pleasing and things like that is always such a severe cost, but I do think that it does happen. And at that time I realized, okay, if, if push comes to shove and I have to choose between you and me, I choose me. Mm. And that filtered in to the work that I do now. And I'll tell you like right after that, I went through a series of, you know, feeling like tough shit and like, Oh, now I can speak up for myself. And I became extremely combative. I kind of swung to the opposite side of the pendulum mm-hmm. and I wanted to fight about everything. I wanted to talk about gay rights. I wanted to talk about abortion, like all the things that I had n- been silenced about. I wanted to now have a fight. And it wasn't until it, quite a few years later that I realized, Oh, I can actually speak up for myself. I can be vocal. I can take a stand and I can do that with the utmost grace and kindness. So Mm. that's truly what I do now. It's this idea of the internal component of genuinely believing that you're enough, believing in yourself and that your voice actually matters. And then the external component of now, how do I communicate that? How do I tell my family? I don't believe in the religion I was raised in. How do I ask for a divorce? How do I tell my parents I'm not going to follow in the family business? How do I, you know, uh, tell somebody, a stranger to not rub my pregnant belly because that's fucking rude, you know, like, <laughs> how do I say it kindly, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so, so that really is sort of uh, the, the impetus of how I got involved in this niche. And then the reason, the way joy came into it was this idea of what we all want to feel is joy, is happiness, instead of that fear of what our parents going to think, or that uh, lack of confidence, or that grief, or that shame, or that embarrassment. So it was more so sort of the the end result, the emotion that we're all looking to feel. Oh, wow. What what a fascinating journey. And I love that you turned it into something empowering. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's interesting to size it up on a podcast and what yeah. you don't see are the years of struggle and the crying and the mess and the, so it, it definitely took a substantial amount of practice. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a journey, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So now one thing, uh, cause we help people achieve more in life and I know part of what gets into the way of that is, some of us have this need for perfection. <laughs> Can you share about a little bit about that and how to overcome perfectionism? 
Yeah. You know, we all sort of struggle with perfectionism for different reasons. And shocker, most of the time, there's something that happens in our childhood that that allows us to, I mean, I I would argue every time, that creates some sort of notion that I must perfect in order to be loved or in order to be valuable. So at its nucleus, perfectionism is truly about enoughness. It's about this idea of, am I valuable, period? Or do Mm -hmm. I need to attain, do I need to achieve in order to find my worth? And we do the same thing with pleasing other people, right? Like we Mm -hmm. think, if these people love me, then I must be valuable. And conversely, if I'm not accepted, then I must not be. And so we're placing all of this emphasis on the external. What we don't realize about perfectionism too is that for many people, it it leads down a very dark path because first of all, perfectionism doesn't exist or be perfect doesn't exist. And so we've already from the get-go set ourselves up for failure because we are constantly changing or chasing something that we never really get to. Because I, I think I could say to all the the perfectionists out there, how many times have you actually done something perfectly? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> right. And yet we yet that's the chase. Yet it's, oh, but that's not good enough. It's not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And what we're doing a lot of times is we're saying all of these things outside of me dictate my personal worth or my personal value. And instead of saying, I'm valuable and I care about doing a good job, or I strive for excellence, or I do care about attaining these various goals or starting these businesses. And I think it can be tricky for those who are high achievers because they put so much identity, and this is very much myself included, put so much of their identity in the accomplishment, in the productivity. Instead of looking at it as something that adds to our life, we allow it to be something that depletes our life. You know, I, I can think of many projects I've worked on where I'm working on this minutia and this bullshit, you know, for me, a lot of times it happens with visual graphics and things like for my business mm-hmm. where I can spend hours tweaking how thick a line is or how large the font <laughs> is or the, the, just the right color or, and in the grand scheme of Amy's life, that doesn't matter at all. Right. You know, I think one of the things that we also, the way in which perfectionism can really hold us back is a lot of times it offers up a huge excuse for stagnation because we kind of, I don't know if you come across this much where it's like, oh, I can't put myself out there yet. I need another credential or I need another, (laughs) you know, certification or I need perfect website. Oh, I can't, I can't do that unless it's flawless. People can't come over to my house unless everything's pristine. And I can't go on dates until I'm this size, right? Like we have all this criterion that basically says, postpone your happiness until. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I be HW, I'll be happy when. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. So, you know, one of the things you can kind of do, uh, do for that, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to at all say, oh, we can tidy this up in, you know, a quick little episode, because I really do think it has a lot to anchoring into your worthiness outside mm-hmm. of those things. But I will say that one of the things that's helped me substantially is to back off of perfect and strive for excellence. So that's become 
my my moniker or my mantra rather where I'll say, okay, is it perfect? No. Is it excellent? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Right? You know, and so for me that's been been really helpful where I can look at look at that. The other thing is a, a huge meta view of asking like, okay, in the grand scheme of Christina Ian's life, how much does this matter? This thing that you're nitpicking, this thing that you're controlling, this thing that you're trying to perfect, how much does this specific thing matter? Like what would my 80, 90 year old self tell me about how much I'm stressing out about this? <laughs> right. They say chill the fuck out. That's right. Slow your roll. Slow your roll. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I love that. And it sounds like also, so those are tips for uh, dealing with it like on a daily basis, but also sounds like there needs to be from what you're saying, uh, some foundational work on choosing yourself, loving yourself, being, seeing yourself as valuable. Any, any tips on uh, starting that journey? Yeah. I think a lot of times it, it goes, it falls kind of in two camps. It's either about acceptance from specific humans or people, or it's accomplishment of specific tasks or deeds or, uh, you know, elevating ourselves as far as accomplishment goes. Mm -hmm. So it, again, it's this idea of these things outside of me will then dictate my, my worthiness. So a metaphor that I often use in my teaching is this is to imagine as though you are a house and you have all these intricate rooms and there is the major areas that you let everybody see and they're pristine and they're beautiful. And there might be some skeletons in some closets, but we don't let people do that. <laughs> but we have an innate worth as a home, right? That's a structure. It's valuable. And then we have a series of life experiences where people either leave a bag of shit on our porch, <laughs> the porch of our house. And uh -huh. that, that symbolizes anything that constitutes negative emotion. So rejections, criticisms, when you didn't get the job, when somebody broke up with you, when you got passed over for the promotion, when you didn't get into the master's program, those sorts of situations where we take that shit into the house and we say, this must mean my value lessons. And mm. what we don't realize is we have that we have the freedom to either bring it in or to say, "Oh, I'm currently not accepting any piles." Of <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now, conversely, there will be people who drop beautiful gifts on your porch, and there are going to be people, and that that is sort of the emotional equivalent of excitement and pride and happiness. It's when people say yes, you are getting the promotion or yes, I do love you. And I want to spend my life with you. It's, you know, it's all of these things that are amazing and we get to go, okay, you know what? That is a blessing. And that's a beautiful experience. And I like that, how that feels. I choose to bring that into my house. And I know at the same time that it does not dictate the worth of my home. It's just about an addition. And that's one of the things that I think can be really helpful for people who are struggling with perfectionism or who, who genuinely find fulfillment in accomplishment is looking at the, I get to be valuable now and I get to shoot for all of these goals. And I think, you know, I know you've had some guests talk about emotional intelligence 
there's also this freedom of allowing ourselves to actually feel bummed out when we don't get what we want, when we get passed over for the promotion or the, the, the startup doesn't quite kick off the way you want it to, or whatever it happens to be for you. Those are the times when we go, this must mean I suck. So one of the mantras that I use all the time is the situation sucks, but I don't suck. Ooh. Yeah. Or if you're, if you tend to be a bit of a sailor, just because I fucked up doesn't mean <laughs> I am a fuck up. Hey, I like it. It's distinguishing the difference between the situation that feels a specific way and the meta view of, no, I'm still a valuable human, period. And most of the time we just, it, when we feel shitty, when we feel bummed out, we collapse that with, that must mean I suck. That must mean in the grand scheme of Amy's life, I'm not valuable. I'll never work again. I'll never succeed. No, no. all we have to do is go, no, this situation hurts. This breakup sucks. That doesn't have to mean I'm not lovable and kind of untangling that a little bit. I like it. And it almost seems like there's something, somehow confidence has a connection in here. Oh, not at all. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? In addition to that. (laughs) Well, confidence also, I think we can come back to this perfectionism piece because confidence is really achieved through a series of, of trying, of trying over and over and failing. But when you subscribe to this perfectionism idea, no matter what it is, whether it's to be valued, if it was the only way you could stand out in your family, no matter what the situation was, we think, okay, I've got to be flawless in order for this to be worth it. And we don't give enough credence to failing and resurrecting ourselves. So we've got this idea. This is usually how I see it happening, where somebody goes, okay, I'm over here. Let's say we're on the left-hand side, and and I want to cross this bridge. And over on the right-hand side, the other side of the bridge is confidence, is confident Amy. And I'm over here going, okay, I I will be confident as soon as I'm partnered, as soon as I'm in a relationship, or I'll be confident as soon as my business is flourishing. So I'm over here on the other side of the bridge not taking steps to actually get to that confidence. So what we don't realize is that it's going on those interviews, it's going on those dating sites or doing speed dating or having those conversations that are really difficult with your family members or whatever it is that you are paralyzed in fear of it won't be perfect. It's doing those things. And that is a part of neuroscience. It's a part of us actually rewiring the neural pathways in our brain. We've got this well-worn path that tells us, go this way, go this way, go this way. And even though it's uncomfortable, like most perfectionists out there go, yeah, this is debilitating. This isn't euphoric most of the time. Most of the time I'm beating myself up like crazy. So even though it's uncomfortable, it's still well-worn. We know how to do that. It's familiar. It's comfortable. It's scary and unknown in our brain to try new things and to go after new things. And that is, that is the only way through repetition that you can carve out that new pathway to get to that place of confidence. But if you think about it, anyone who's a confident public speaker, anyone who's, you know, a confident entrepreneur, they didn't magically arrive there. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> there it took a- some work. <laughs> exactly. I mean, obviously, you know, firsthand. So yeah, I think that's one of the 
a, a big misconception in personal development is let me just conjure up some confidence. And I do yeah. think there, I do think there's some hacks for sure. I do think there's confidence hacks, but I think that what we fail to realize is it's the repetition. It's doing right. the thing that scares you over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, with everything that we've talked about, it is putting in that hard work. There's not anyone who offers, I mean, yeah, like you said, there are some hacks, but anything who offers a, hey, you're going to be a new person like tomorrow, <laughs> right? That's we right. know that that's not a, <laughs> a solid promise. So yeah, all of this takes a lot of work. And and I don't think we like that idea. Like we yeah. we're, we love to pop the pills and drive through the fast food, <laughs> and you know we want the quick fix. Uh-huh. Especially in a society that that does not foster emoting and being with your emotions, because most of the time, digging into this worthiness and believing in your own intrinsic value, you have to uproot some old paradigms and some family of origin shit that it's not fun. However, yeah. it's absolutely worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rebuild those neural pathways. That's exactly right. Have you seen um, on YouTube the Backwards Bicycle by Smarter Every Day? No. Oh, I think you would love it because it's uh, he's an engineer. And uh, I'll just, I'd say Google it and for the listeners yeah. as well or YouTube it, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Can I turn that into a, a, a verb? Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. So YouTube that one. And um, he actually has uh, the welders switch his bike. To where if you turn the handlebars right, the bike turns left. Oh, interesting. And he talks about neuroplasticity and it took him, how it took him eight months to relearn how to ride a bike and then only 20 minutes to go back into the old patterns. So I I use that actually in classes. I love it. Um, I think you'd like it as well. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Sure. I, yes, I will definitely be, be checking that out. And, 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 you know, that's really interesting too. And when we talk about the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, the, you know, and I'm sure they talk about that, but how habits are formed are through repetition. And then it gets lodged into the subconscious the same way, you know, when you first learn how to drive a car, it's fumbly and you're awkward. You got to try to check everything. And now we do it completely autopilot. We don't have to consciously think about it at all uh, until you're in a situation where, you know, maybe you're in an accident and you have to rehabilitate and relearn things. But that's, that's exactly what happens when we're trying to put a new positive message in our mind, such as uh, I strive for excellence instead of perfection, or I truly believe that I am valuable or I'm enough or I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. What we do is our brain, the critical function of the brain kicks it back over and over again, because it goes, this is unsafe. We don't know this. We don't know yeah. how to read this. And it, and usually what happens is like, like this guy chronicled that you're sharing, you, you get to this point where you've adopted the new way, but there's so much kickback that you're like, ah, this doesn't work. Ah, oh, forget <laughs> it. Yep. Oh, this is too hard to speak kindly to myself. Better just go back to being, you know, shit talking myself. <laughs> and and that, and it's usually that we're right on the precipice of it dropping into the subconscious and being adopted as the new truth that we give up, right? So uh-huh. it, it's it's a that I cannot stress that repetition enough. In fact, that's why I stopped doing any type of program that was just three weeks or you know a quick one day session or you know the only way to work with me is is through almost a four month journey because I believe in that 
that restructuring of those neural pathways through repetition and through reconditioning. So, um, yeah, yeah. they take time. Yeah. And I love that you did that. Can you share more about your services? Yeah. So the, it's funny, the, the primary, the only program that I teach, which I made a massive switch in my business about a year ago, specifically for this reason that I only wanted to be working in transformation. I didn't want to be doing quick little band-aids or, you know, oh, this will get you by. I wanted people to genuinely be able to say, I do believe that I'm enough. And I believe that my voice matters and I can speak up to my in-laws and I can ask for the raise and I can start my own company. And I wanted to, to really see that radical change for people. So my, my signature program is called deep down and dirty. (laughs) And (laughs) obviously I have a little bit of an edge to me. (laughs) And Uh, and so if you're, if, if you're at all interested in that, I I would say get to know me first, you know, maybe toy around with, you know, my podcast or some of my freebies, but I do have a free workshop that, that kind of chronicles a lot of the stuff that I've talked about today. And you, you can see towards the end of the workshop, if you're interested in booking a call with my team and, and chatting about what you've been contending with. And that's very easy to access. If you just go to thejoyjunkie.com, you'll see a workshop tab right in the top. And there's free workbooks and things like that. But, but that program is, is broken down into a couple of different sections. But the first is untangling a lot of the stuff that's not working, dealing with those belief systems, the chronic addiction to fear. And then, it, then we move into who do you want to be? what are your core values? What are your belief systems? Like who, what's your identity? What are the roles in your life? Then we move into how do you communicate with that with others? So how do I deal with rejection, criticism, saying no, tough conversations, speaking out for myself. And then we finalize it with a, a like a maintenance plan. How do I continue this momentum? So mm. it's truly designed to, to change your perspective and about, about your worth and your enoughness. I love that. Yeah, And so you have lots of resources up on your website. We'll make sure and include it in the show notes. Absolutely. And I also love uh, the title of your ebook, Stand Up for Yourself <laughs> Without Being a Dick. <laughs> okay. Right. So, and, and that's a great tool as well. I, I really like quantifying personal development and having step-by-step tools. So you'll, you'll see that a lot in the workbook. You'll see that in my podcast, everything is like, here's what you do. Here's what you say. Here's what you work through. So I, I would be most honored if anybody came and started stalking me out and then you, you have opportunities <laughs> to, to dig deeper if you're interested. I love it. Lots of stuff you've shared with us today. Is there any final words of wisdom? Ooh, you know, one of my favorite things to impart to people is this idea of you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. Mm. And we build up this idea that how I am received must dictate my worth. So for example, if this person thinks that I'm behaving poorly, then that must mean that's true. Or if this person uh, doesn't want to date me or wants a divorce, that must mean I'm not lovable. Or, you know, we take all of these things like, you know, if I bring this up to my partner, if I bring this up to a parent or a child or whatever, and it doesn't go well, that must mean I'm wrong in some way. So we invest all of this 
all of our success and, and worth in many ways in the reception versus who we are being and how we are conducting ourselves and how we're handling ourselves. So kind of to, to bring it full circle with, you know, the situation I shared about my mother. Now I know that there are many times when she'll invite me to church or she'll ask, you know, something of me that, that I actually find offensive. So now instead of being like, Oh, I need her to see it my way, or I need her to accept the way that I view things. I just don't take any responsibility for that anymore. And I take a hundred percent responsible responsibility for who I'm being, how I'm showing up, how I'm engaging. So that means, am I behaving in a place that's assertive? Yes, but also graceful and kind. So now it sounds like, thank you so much for, for thinking of me because of our differences, I really, I actually find that somewhat offensive. And my request is that you don't invite me, um, considering I don't invite you to summer solstice or <laughs> read you astrology. And, <laughs> and I would just really, ex- I would appreciate the same respect in return. I'm sure it's, you know, and, and again, it's, it's all of the communication stuff that I teach. But now I realize like, okay, am I proud of Amy? Am I proud of how I've conducted myself? Am I proud of the the rhythm and the cadence of my voice? Yes. Okay. So if somebody else wants to leave that pile of shit on my porch, sorry, but I'm not currently accepting it. So, <laughs> um, so you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. I love that. And I love, we're not accepting shit bags at this time. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a pleasure, Amy. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, likewise, likewise. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Amy, visit her website at thejoyjunkie.com. Did you know that time is not your most limiting resource? To find out how to increase your productivity and have more time to do the things you love, visit secrettosuperproductivity.com.